Welcome to the New Story Church podcast. The message you're about to enjoy was delivered live at New Story Church in downtown Los Angeles. For more information, check out newstorychurch.com or visit us any Sunday at LA Trade Tech College. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message. Can we hear it one more time for all of the mamas in the house? So good. Oh my gosh. Love you guys. Happy Mother's Day. New Story Church. We love our mamas. I'm a big mama's boy, so God bless all of our mamas. Uh, anyways, uh, this is a great day to be here. Not only is it Mother's Day, uh, it's also Lance Kim's birthday. Uh, we got a bunch of things going on. Uh, also, uh, we are in the second part of our spring series called Ask God, uh, where we tackle the biggest questions of life. Like, you know, what is God's will for my life, right? What is his plan for me? Why was I created? Why am I on earth today? Why was I born in this particular era, in this particular region of the world? What is his purpose for my life, right? What is God's will for my life? These are the kinds of questions that we often ask God. They are so much different than the kind of questions uh, that we ask this thing right here. How many of you have a mini Google? or an Alexa or talk to Siri every day. Okay, yeah, it's, it's, it's very different than the kind of questions we ask these sort of apparatuses like, um, hey, Google, are the L.A. Lakers self-destructing? My apologies, uh, I don't understand. No, it's okay. No, it's, neither do we. Okay, anyways, all right? It's very different, uh, the kinds of questions that we ask God. See, it's one thing to ask Google those kind of questions. It's a whole nother thing to ask God, hey, God, you know, when should I start a family? Hey, God, is it time for me to stop renting and finally buy a house? It's, it's one thing to ask God uh, or ask Google those type of questions. It's a completely other thing to ask God the really important questions of life. And just so that we're all on the same page, I want to share with you a guiding principle uh, that we talked about last week. Uh, that uh, this basically this guiding principle s- establishes the foundation for this entire series. And that guiding principle, if you're taking notes, is this. We make our plans but God guides our steps. We make our plans, but God is the one who actually guides our steps. And so we get that from the Old Testament book of wisdom, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, okay? Now, I'm going to share with you why that's important. Why is this important that we make our plans, but God guides our steps? What's that actually mean? Well, it means this. Plans, if you really think about it, plans, by and large, are often these grandiose dreams, right? They're these grandiose things that deal with destinations and times and timetables and goals and, and dreams. They're, plans are usually these big things, these big, big hopes, these big desires, whereas steps, meanwhile, are so much different. They're they're completely different animal. Steps, on the other hand, are much more humble. They're much more simple. They're much more subtle, right? You take them one at a time. Plans are big. Steps are very small, okay? And, And so here's an example of what this actually looks like in real life, in real time, okay? 
uh, I want to show you how plans and steps, how they work in, in unison, okay? Uh, all of us, right, we all, whoever you are, however you came into church today, whatever kind of issues you're going through in life, we all make plans. We make our plans. For instance, right? Uh, not too long, well, maybe it was longer than I think, or I like to admit, but, uh, you know, not too long ago, I had plans to graduate in four years, right? God, I'm talking about college, right? Graduating. As a matter of fact, can we give it up for all of our recent college grads? This was an important week. Yeah, Kalechi, Ify, all these guys, okay? Those are some of the USC grads right down the street in our midst, right? But we also have a bunch of students that have graduated all over the place. And I'm not just talking about college, high school as well, grad school as well, okay? So we make these plans, right? And our plan, my plan might be to graduate college in four years, right? And then, and then my plan after that is to find a great job, right? I want a job and my plan is to find a great job that does two things. Number one, fulfills my soul, right? It's got to be meaningful and important. And number two, makes me rich, right? Those are the plans that we tend to have, right? We want to graduate college in four years. Then we want to find a job that is super fulfilling and also pays the bills, right? And then if we're really honest, right? If we're talking with our friend or something like that, what's the plan for your life? Then the next plan is what? It's to fall in love. It's to fall in love, right? You want to meet that special person, your soulmate, right? Uh, Mr. or Mrs. Perfect, right? You, you meet that person, you fall in love, and then what happens when you fall in love? You get married, right? Yeah, so that's a plan, right? That's a plan right there. Helen's plan, right, was to marry, and she, this is a picture of her first husband, okay? Uh, <laughs> Pastor Stephen. You know why, Pastor Stephen, you weren't always bald, right? So like this picture, why couldn't we, that you have hair in this picture, right? I don't know why we had to find a picture that we, uh, just anyways, this is kind of the background anyways. So that's the plan, right? We make plans. We want to graduate college, want to get a good job. We want to meet that perfect person. We want to fall in love. We want to get married. And then our plans continue and we want to buy our first house, but it can't just be any house. This has got to be like our forever home, right? In like a great neighborhood neighborhood with a great school system. We want to become best friends with our neighbors and borrow things. Like that's the American dream, right? So we, we get married, we buy our home, and then, you know, maybe just, you know, once we settle in, once we get everything figured out, then we start driving a Tesla, right? That's our plan, right? We want to do all these things by the time we're 30, max 32, right? That's, that's our plan, right? Now, be honest, how many of you have similar plans like these? Just, it's okay. It's okay. No one's judging, but how, okay. So we have some honest people. Okay. Great. Great. All right. So those are your plans. They sound familiar. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no judgment. Okay. It's okay. We all make plans. We all have dreams. So it should be no surprise to anyone here in this room, whether you follow Jesus Christ or not, it should be no surprise that the word of God actually acknowledges this. And it says, yeah, yeah, yeah. You make your plans. And God is the one who guides our steps. No one's saying that you can't make plans. In fact, I'm not making a judgment call. I'm not making a moral call on whether your plans are good or bad or godly or ungodly or holy, unholy. No, no, no. I, I'm not even, I don't even care about that right now. All I'm saying is it's natural and good to make plans. That's okay. 
But the principle is you need to understand you can make your plans, but God is the one who actually guides your steps. Okay? And I'll even prove this to you. I'll, I'll prove this to you experientially. I'm not just saying what I think. I'm going to prove to you that this is true, that we make our plans, but God is the one who guides our steps. For instance, okay, we'll do a little social experiment, very quick social experiment. I need 100% participation in this room. Here we go. The question is this, very simple question. I'm just going to ask you one question. Raise your hand right now if 10 years ago, in the year 2009, can you believe that was 10 years ago? 2009, raise your hand if 10 years ago you had plans for your life. Go ahead and raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Raise your hand if you had plans, dreams, goals for you. Okay, keep them up. Now, keep them raised. Okay, look around. Look around. Practically the whole room. Some of you are asleep right now or Googling or texting. I don't know what you're doing. Tesla. How much is a Tesla? Anyways, okay. So you, everyone that has their hands raised had plans for their life 10 years ago. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want to keep, I'm going to ask you to keep your hand raised right now if in the last 10 years, everything went according to plan. Wait, wait, what's going on? Everyone's hands down. What, what's happening right now? What just happened? Oh, one person there has two hands. Okay. <laughs> See what I mean? See what I mean? We make our plans. We make our plans, but God is the one who guides our steps. Things happen. Life happens. Change happens. See, here's a new thought I want you to think. And for those of you that are taking notes, you might want to jot this down. I don't know if you have space in there. It's not, it's not a fill in the blank. It's just kind of a principle I'm, I'm, I want to give you. I want to give you a new thought. Here's a new thought I challenge you to think. What if one of the most important things in life was not, listen to me carefully right now. What if one of the most important things in life was not to make a great plan but rather to make sure you are taking good steps. What if, what if that was more important? What if it was more important for you to, instead of making great plans, to make sure that you're taking good and even godly, solid steps? Because as you jot this down, here's what I want to say. I want to say this. The steps that you take today, okay, whatever, I'm not judging your steps right now, but I'm just saying whatever steps that you are taking today determines the story that your life is going to tell tomorrow. Does that make sense? The steps you're taking today will determine the story your life tells tomorrow. And I use the words, your life telling a story tomorrow, specifically and deliberately, because why? Because all of our lives are telling a story. If you and I are sitting across from the table and I get to know you and you get to know me, you're going to hear my story and I'm going to hear your story. Everyone is carrying a story. As a matter of fact, that's one of the heartbeats of this church called New Story Church. It's because we recognize that, you know what? Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. Scripture says that he, he who began a good work in you will continue it to completion. In other words, your story isn't finished. So long as you have breath of life, your story is not finished. And so your story is continuing. And what I'm saying today is this. The steps that you take today determines the story that your life tells tomorrow. 
you don't even have to use words. Your life is telling a story. In fact, your life tells a better story than your mouth ever could. That's a fact. In fact, this is the heartbeat of the first of three spiritual keys that I want to share with you today concerning the will of God. Today, this morning, I'm going to give you three spiritual keys that will help you discern the will of God, okay? And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, go ahead and jot this down. Uh, It's this. Key number one is, in God's economy, right, in the way God works, right, in God's economy, good steps are greater than or at least equal to great plans. Does that make sense? Good steps are greater than or at least equal to great plans. In other words, anybody can make grandiose plans. Okay, anyone can dream dreams. Do you have that friend in your life? Don't, don't look at them right now, okay? Don't, don't do one of these. Don't nudge them, okay? But do you, is there that person in your life who's like, a total dreamer, right? Like a total, like, like you're doing something and they always provide constructive criticism because they, they have an idea of how it could be. You're busy doing, but they have all these ideas of how you could be doing better. You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. And so it's, it's very easy actually to have ideas, It's very easy, right, to dream dreams and have these grandiose plans, right? But you show me a woman who is focused on her next step. You show me a man who is intentionally, deliberately trying to take the next good and godly step. And I will show you people who are truly going somewhere. And oh, by the way, by good steps, here's what I'm talking about. I just simply mean faithful steps of obedience. Simple steps of faith and trust. In fact, Scripture puts it this way. Scripture says, Scripture says, for we walk by what? We walk by faith, not by... Oh, so we don't walk according to our plans? Oh, we don't walk according to a blueprint. We don't walk according to a plan. We don't walk according to a map that we have in our head and our hearts. Oh, no, actually we don't. We walk by faith, not by blueprints, not by maps, not by our own design, not by our own plans. Now, I've got a question here for everyone here, okay? Having all of this in mind, we laid down the groundwork. We went over a couple of principles. I asked you a couple of challenging questions. I showed you experientially how this stuff is true. Now I've, now I've got a question here, a serious question for everyone here, and that is this. Just think about this. I'm going to give you like a couple seconds to think about this. Do you really want to know the secret to God's will for your life? Just think about that for a second. I'm going to take a swig of water here. Do you really, truly want to know God's will for your life? Okay? Now, let me just be honest. This is between just you and everyone here. (laughs) If you want to know, do you raise your hand? Because I'm raising my hand because I want to know too. Uh, do you, if you want to know God's will, God's secret will for your life, go ahead and raise your hand. All right, that's most of us. Okay, great. Okay, ready? I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you the secret to knowing 
God's will for your life right in about two seconds. Here's it. You guys ready? Here's the secret to God's will for your life. There is no secret. There's no secret. See, my point is the notion that God's will for our lives is some sort of secret This idea that God's will for our lives is some sort of mystery, that it's some sort of puzzle, that that we have to solve this puzzle, this game. I I don't know where that thinking started. I know that it's very common, especially in the Christian Western world, okay? But wherever that thinking started, however that came to play, I'm here to tell you this morning, on Mother's Day 2019, I'm here to tell you, that that thinking is straight from the pit of hell. Spoken by the father of lies, the accuser, whose only desire is to steal, kill, and destroy all things good in your life. In fact, I could literally point you, I could, if we had the time right now, I could literally point every single person here to hundreds of verses, passages throughout the scripture that show you very clearly God's will for your life in black and white. I could do that right now if we had the time. In other words, God doesn't, listen to me now, God doesn't get his jollies by sitting up in heaven, (laughs) watch this, (laughs) And, and, and play games with you. That's that He doesn't derive any satisfaction. That doesn't glorify him. That doesn't praise him. That doesn't make him happy. That doesn't, that, that, that's not what he's after. He, he, he's not made happy when you go through life mysteriously wondering what is the purpose of your life? What are you supposed to do in life? That's not who he is. That's not what he does. What kind of a good and perfect heavenly father would he be if he was sadistic like that, if he was torturing you like that, it's not a mystery. Just think about it yourself. If you're a parent and you have kids and your intention is the best for your kids, even though they know much less than you, you know much more than them. If they ask you a question, it's a serious question. This is like a life-altering question. How sick would it be for you not to answer that in, in a truthful, loving, honest way? How sick would it be for you to be like, <laughs> watch this, and just mess up their lives? That's not what God does. That's not what God does. No, instead, we have plenty of passages about God's will that are absolutely crystal clear. It's just like the sermon title you have in your notes. It's actually not complicated. I want to speak truth into your life today and say that God's will, understanding, discerning, knowing God's will for your life is actually not complicated. As a matter of fact, the problem is not that God's will is unclear. That's not the problem. The problem is actually That God's will is so clear, yet we don't want to submit to it. Yet we don't want to obey. We don't want to become subject to it. The problem is not that God's will is unclear. The problem is that it is so clear, 
But we don't want to submit to that truth. I mean, literally, literally. Did you know that there are verses in the word of God? There are verses in the Bible that lit- I'm not over speaking here. I'm speaking very literally. The words used are, quote, this is God's will for you, end quote. There are literally verses in the Bible that say that. This is God's will for you. Zero complications, zero misunderstandings. It's actually not complicated. Some of you are going to be like, yeah, but uh, what's it say in the original Greek? I'll tell you what it says in the original Greek. This is God's will for you. That's what it says in the original Greek as well. Some of you like, you still don't believe me. Okay, look with me at the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians actually says this a couple of times. I'm just going to pick verse, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, okay? Chapter 5, it is literally written in black and white. If you turn to your Bible, if you went on the YouTube version, you maybe have the app on your phone. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 literally says this in verse 16. It says three things, okay? And then it gives us the grounding principle. Uh, and the first thing it says is verse 16, rejoice always. 17, pray continually. 18, give thanks in all circumstances. Now, why, church? Let's read this last part, this, this bold-faced word together, okay? Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It literally says, for this is God's will for you. It, it, it doesn't get much more clear. See, part of God's will for you is to rejoice. Part of God's will for you is to continually pray. Part of God's will for you today, no matter what you walked in here with, is to give thanks. Maybe today's your first day in church. Maybe today's your first day in church in a long time, right? And you're, you're going through things in life right now and you're going through different situations. And, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you have no idea what the creator of the universe, I mean, the ultimate divine God, you maybe have no idea what the creator God's plan for your life, one of billions of lives, billions and trillions of lives throughout history. You have no idea what that master plan from the creator of the universe is. Maybe you have no idea, right? Maybe you walked in here today and your finances have you overwhelmed, right? Well, the word of God just told us that part of his will is for you to rejoice. Well, how can I rejoice if I got all these financial burdens? I got all these bills I got to pay. I got, I got all this uh, uh, credit card debt. How, well, maybe we're supposed to rejoice in, in who God is, and how he promises, you know what? I know the number of hair, hairs that you have on your body. Uh, just like I feed the sparrows, I can feed you. I care for you. And I know that you're in need. And maybe that's cause to rejoice. You know, maybe you're here and you're trying to figure out, you know, if she's the one, if he's the one. Actually, I had a person come up to me, a brother come up to me. This morning, today, before our nine o'clock service, as we were going through the sound check, as we were going through the slides, this brother came up to me. He's like, Pastor Tom, I, just, I can't believe it. I want to show you something. And he shows me a ring he's going to propose today, today to his girlfriend. Like, and he's like, you know, is he the one? I was like, well, we'll see. We'll see later today. <laughs> Let me know, right? 
And so like, maybe you're like, you know, you're trying to figure out if, if she's the one or if he's the one. Well, what's the scripture say? Scripture says to pray. I mean, my gosh, I could tell you stories upon stories. I could go through a whole series uh, about just even my courtship with Erica before we got married and our four and a half years of dating before I, I popped the question and the season of prayer that we both went through, her more than me. But anyways, okay, so just just happens, right? Pray, right? That's part of his will. Maybe you're not sure if you, if you should leave your job for another one right? Maybe, maybe you've been at this job for a while and it's okay and things are going gay, but you see your friends and they're, they're advancing upward and to the right. And, and maybe you think it's time for a career change. Maybe you think it's time for a move and you don't really know. And, uh, uh, but, but then this option opens and you got this door open. And so now you've got your job and you've got this other job that you could tef- definitely take. It's no problem. And then, and you don't know what to do. And what, what is God's will? Well, you know what God's will is for you in that situation? It's to give thanks. Give thanks that you actually have two viable options because for every two options that you, I could show you, I could point, I've heard hundreds of stories of people that would kill for just one of those options. So you should be thankful that you have two, right? See friends, when it comes to the will of God for your life, here's what I want you to understand. When it comes to God's will for your life, there is his revealed will which is very clear. Again, I could give you hundreds of passages in scripture where it says, this is God's will for you. His revealed will. That's one part of it. There's a second part when it comes to discerning God's will that is his unrevealed will. Does that make sense? So there's his revealed will and there's his unrevealed will. Now, guess what passage, the, the passage that we just read, guess which category First Thessalonians chapter 5 that we just read is an example of. Is it an example of his revealed will or his unrevealed will? You tell me, church. Revealed, exactly. That's an example of his revealed will, correct. Right, plain and simple. God literally says, this is my will for you. You need to pray. You need to be joyful. You need to give thanks in all circumstances. So then what is the problem? What is the problem if we know his revealed will here, right? Well, the problem is this, right? Let's just be honest. There's something inside of us that often rebels against his revealed will. Does that make sense? Scripture calls that, theologians call that something inside of us, the sin nature, right? You can think of it as a rebellious heart, right? The problem is, it's not, the problem is not the revealed will or the unrevealed will. Those are not problems. The problem is, he reveals a portion of his will to us, and our hearts are rebellious against it. We have a sin nature that balks against it. Plus, we make it much worse. We compound the difficulty... Because we demand that God show us, here we are in his revealed will, balking against it, rebelling against it. And in addition to that, we look over there at the unrevealed will. And and what is our heart? What is our attitude? What do we think? What do we say? Well, God, let me see the unrevealed. I need to know this part too. Like that's actually what we say when we're over here, right? But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't, it'd be like, It'd be like if you have a parent of a tween or a teen and they come up to you and they're like, mom, dad, I need the keys to the car. Give me the keys. Give me the keys. Right? This fool hasn't even had their license yet. Right? They haven't even gone to driving school or anything like that. And they're asking you for that. It just doesn't work. You would never give it to them. Why? Because you're mean? Because you're a bad parent? No. Because you're a loving parent. 
And you're not going to give the keys to your car to your kid who's never been to driving school, doesn't have their permit, doesn't have their license. That's, that's not part of the plan. There are steps that need to be taken, and they haven't gone through those steps yet, right? Uh, now, uh, can, I, can I just even be more real here for a second? I, I, I just, you know, the, the whole license thing, I mean, no parent would actually do that, right? And, and no, no, no kid in their right mind would actually ask their parent for that, right? So you might be thinking, you know what? That's a little bit of a stretch. Let me give you like one of the all-time most classic scenarios that I've faced in almost two decades of being a pastor, okay? Of this whole revealed versus unrevealed will of God, okay? I want to give you, I want to share like a, a classic story, okay? I, I would say... I don't know if I get this every month. There are some months where I get this like five, six times, some months where I don't get it at all. But I would say I've been in this scenario at least 50 times, okay? So here, here's the scenario, okay? The scenario is this. I, I, I'm not thinking of any particular situation. I'm thinking of like a conglomeration of all the, all the stories at once. You, you'll, you'll get what I'm saying here in a second. Um, here, here's, here's the scenario. Boy meets girl, Okay. And uh, it's a classic pastoral situation, okay? Boy meets girl, and they fall in, they fall in love, right? Oh, praise the Lord. So good, right? Boy meets girl, they fall in love. Everything's going great, you know? They, 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 they start dating one another, you know? They just, they're soulmates. Everything's so good. And uh, some time passes, maybe six months, a year or so passes, and they decide to live together. Right? They, so someone moves in to the other's apartment or whatever, whatever, whatever. They get, they get a place together and, and they move in, all right? And then this always happens. Somewhere along the line, you, you know, first six months, year two, maybe three years down the line, uh, one of them, it, it, it's like 50-50. Sometimes it's the guy, sometimes it's the girl. One of them has a sort of like spiritual awakening, Right? And they go into church. Usually one of them drags the other to church. And the person that dragged that person to church, they'll come up to me after a service or they'll type me an email or they'll whatever, whatever. And they're like, Hey, Pastor Tom, can we meet up? I just, I want to, I want to ask you a question. I got some, I want to pick your brain a little bit. Okay. Great. Great. Sure. Sure. Let's do it. Okay. Great. So then I meet with this person, whether it's a guy or girl, doesn't matter. Right. I I meet with this girl. We're, We're sitting across the table, right? Just having coffee, whatever, whatever. And a little small talk, this and that. And then all of a sudden, this person, they'll ask me this question. They'll they'll tell me the situation of how they're living with this person, blah, blah, blah. And they'll be like, Pastor Tom, is it God's will? Now now they're going to ask very spiritual questions now, right? Is it God's will for us to get married? Like, is this the one? Is this the person who was, and all of a sudden they know all this scripture, fearfully and wonderfully made and knitted together in the womb of their mother. Like they know all this scripture now, right? And is, is this the one for me? Did the creator of the universe just align our paths together? Now, I get this question. Like literally, I've been in that scenario at least, I want to say actually a hundred times. It's probably closer to a hundred times than 50 times. But anyways, let me just ask you, before I tell you what I say, okay, let me just ask you rhetorically, what would you say in that situation? Okay, just think about that. Just think about that. I mean, this person is very sincere, right? This person took the time to call you out, and you, you went through the time to coordinate schedules. You met at a place. You got in a car. And all this stuff is happening, right? And, and they're asking you, like, 
Truly this question that's burning their hearts, right? Now, just think about what you'd say, right? Now, what did I say? Well, I, 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 I'll admit, okay, like my first dozen or so times where I went through this, I'm like fumbling around, like I don't know what I'm, now I got it on cruise control. Now I know exactly, because it's just happened so many times. I'm on like almost autopilot, right? So now some of you are like, oh, I never want to go to Pastor Tom for counseling. But I'm just, I'm telling you, I'm just being straight with you, okay? I honestly, this, this is honestly what I say, okay? This is honestly what I say to them now, right? Like after like the 40th time, you know what to say. I, I, I look at the person straight in the eyes and I say, oh, you're back from London, aren't you? Did you run the marathon? Oh, awesome. Praise the Lord. Anyways, um, I look at the person straight in the eye and I say, I, I'm sorry. I honestly don't know whether this is God's unrevealed will for your life. Like, I don't know if you're supposed to marry him. I don't know if you're supposed to marry her. But I do know that there is a part of Scripture that has God's revealed will for your life that actually comes before the question you just asked, right? So in other words, they just asked me the question, is it God's will for me to marry this person? And I say, I don't know if it's God's will for you to marry this person, but I do know there are other elements of God's will that you have to reconcile with before even that question. And then this is what I do. And some of you are going to be like, you are a terrible Christian pastor. You're a terrible, terrible Christian counselor, as a matter of fact. But this is what I do. I have them. I told you now, I've got it down pat, right? Now I have them turn with me when I say that. There's some other questions that you need to ask before that question. And I say, okay, now turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and let's read this out loud together. This is what I say. I literally, right? This is my signature move in this situation, okay? Literally, okay? We go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I say, hey, Bob, hey, hey, Jan, let's read this together, okay? And then I say, here we go, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says this, it is God will, okay? It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Sanctified is just a fancy word for become holy. It is God's will that you should be holy. It is God's will that you should be set apart. It is God's will that you should live your life in such a way that is different from the ways of the world, that you're set apart, you're marked by God. So it is God's will that you should be holy, that you should be sanctified. And then I say, let's read this together. And then we get into more specifics. That you should avoid, and then this is where they start mumbling, avoid sexual immorality. And, and I'm just like bold about it. I just, I like go for it, right? I just keep on going. They, they, they start to like go like this, but I'm just like, <laughs> verse four. That each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. By the time we get to verse five, they stop reading, okay? But I keep on going. Not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. Friends, I'll admit, that's just savage. That's just, it's just savage. I know, I know. Now, listen, listen. You, that's, it's just, I get it, okay? It's just... I'm a terrible Christian counselor, okay? Just don't, because I don't know how to couch it. I don't know. There are other, if you want, you're like, I'm never going to see Pastor Tom. Pastor David, yes. Pastor Stephen, yes. I'm never going to see Pastor Tom for counseling. Because you know why? I don't know how to couch it. I don't know how to say it softly. Like, if the word of God is saying it softly, 
I know how to say it softly then. But if the word of God is clear, like, I don't know how to be unclear about it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I have to be clear about it. And, and it clearly says, this is God's will. And so why are you so focused on his unrevealed will over here? When you have his revealed word over here, and you don't even want to pay attention to it. Like, you're not even wrestling with it. And that's the issue that we have, right? See, I want you to jot this down if you have space in your notes. I think of it simply like this. What is the point here? What am I getting at? The point is this. If you are ever stuck in God's unrevealed will for your life, if, if, if you're like over here and you want to know God's unrevealed will, like you don't know, like it could be as stupid as, I don't know what color socks to wear today. I don't know if I should buy this car or as serious as I don't know if I should marry this person. If you are stuck in this place of God's unrevealed will, here's what I'm saying. Here's the point of what I'm saying. If you're stuck in his unrevealed will, you need to double down on his revealed will. Does that make sense? Any poker players in here? It's okay. I play poker. I play cards. I'm not telling you if I play for money or not, but I'm just saying, okay? So blackjack or something like that, right? Blackjack, poker, whatever. Doubling down. Doubling down is when you look at your cards you, and you read, you read your situation and you're like, you know what? I like the potential here and I want to double the bet. I want to increase the bet. I, I, I'm willing to take a gamble and gamble even double the amount of what's on the table right now. I want to double down on that. What I'm saying is this. What I'm saying is if you're stuck on the unrevealed will of God and you have no clarity and it's all just dark here and you're, you're, you're in a cloud of confusion, what I'm saying then is you need to go back to the revealed word of, will of God. You need to go back to what you know that you know know is true and you need to double down on it you need to put even more effort more time and make extra sure that it's airtight and that you're doubling down on that or think of it this way this is the second spiritual key you can jot this down focus on what you know that's god's revealed word hundreds of passages in scripture about it focus on what you know and he will guide you as you go. That's the area of his unrevealed will. That's how it works, people. It's not complicated. Are you struggling to discern God's will for your life? Do you want answers to some of the toughest questions in your life? Double down. Double down on what is already revealed. Focus on what you already know to be true. And as you do that, he will guide you as you go. See, the reality is that some of us are so tripped up about the super detailed and nuanced step number 8,476 over here. When all the while, you haven't even been faithful with step number three that has been revealed to you back here a long time ago, even before you asked. Even before you asked, God is trying to make the path for you. But you're so worried about step number 8,648 over here you, you, to the neglect of step number three, four, five over here. 
And what I'm saying is go back to step number three, four, five. And, and before you know it, if you take these steps faithfully, obediently, and when you mess up and, oh my gosh, I've messed up so many times. When you stumble and fall, you just repent. And you say, sorry, God, I messed that one up again. A righteous man falls seven times. How many times should I be forgiven? Seven times, 77. All those things. You, 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 you fall, you stumble, you, you trip up, but then you repent and you admit your wrongs. And you say, God, I just, I need you. I need you. The blood of Jesus Christ. I need, I need his sacrifice for my sins. Help me to get back up and it will help you back up. And before you know it, you'll be in the 8,000s. You'll be in the 9,000s. You'll be in the 10,000th step. Does that make sense? See, understanding that key, understanding this principle that I'm talking about will help you appreciate our last key for the day, okay? And it's simply this. If you're taking notes, go ahead and jot this down. This is our third and last key, and that is this. Here before there. Or another way to think about it is who before do. Okay, here in the heart before there. See, God, let me, here's how I'll explain it. God is so much more concerned about what is happening here in your life. God is way more concerned about what is happening here in your heart than whatever is out there in, in the extraneous kind of detailed, nuanced, ma- like in a heartbeat. I mean, literally, no pun intended. God, God, could just, God could just change things on the outside. Just, he just make it happen. He is much more focused and has much more concern about what is happening in here for you than what is out there. He's much more concerned. Listen to me now. Listen. He's much more concerned about who you are becoming more than what you are doing. He is more concerned about who than do. He's more concerned about who you are becoming, how you are growing, What kind of a man, what kind of a woman you are becoming? He's much more concerned about the who than he is the do. God's will is always done here, here first, then there. Don't, don't, don't pray for, don't pray for out there. Out there doesn't need to change. In here needs to change first. God's much more concerned. God's will is for the here. Not necessarily for the there, or at least before the there. Who before do. God's will is always about who before do. And you know something? Somewhere in the depths of your heart, whether you're a believer or not, okay? I I don't even care if you're a believer. I mean, I do care if you're a believer, right? But but you get what I'm saying here. It doesn't matter to me right now in this moment if if you're a follower of Christ 
or whether you're a total, like you're antichrist, okay? I didn't call you the antichrist. I said, if you're antichrist, right? It doesn't matter to me at this particular moment right now with what I'm about to say, uh, because whether you're following Christ or whether you're not following Christ, everyone in their heart of hearts knows this to be true. That, that, you know what? That actually makes sense. That God is more concerned about here than there. That God is more concerned about the who than the do. And, and, and I'll give you an example of why I know everyone here can implicitly, inherently, innately understand this. And that is this. Let's take this example. Let's take the example, for instance, if you found out that your best friend's husband, okay, who does an amazing job providing for his family, stable job, sacrificial hours, crushes it at work, lands the deals, signs the contracts, brings home the bacon, feeds the kids, puts a roof over the head. Like your best friend's husband is just awesome in all those ways. But if you found out that your best friend's husband who does all those things was secretly having an affair for the last year, would you say, this is a rhetorical question, would you say that that man is in the perfect God, God's, God's good, pleasing, and perfect will? Rhetorical question. You don't have to answer it. Don't look at anybody. Don't nudge anybody. Okay? But would you say that that person is in God's will? Right? I know what your answer is. I feel the same way. Exactly. Of course not. Right? That's why here before there, who before do, is so important. You don't even have to be a believer to understand that there's something about that that rings true. As a matter of fact, friends, once this clicks for you, once this clicks for you that you make your plans, but you got to be open and humble to the fact that God can guide steps. <laughs> once you start keying in and go with what you already know, and trust that God will guide you as you go. Once you get that God's more concerned about here than there, once you fully grasp that he's more concerned about the who before the do, once you get that, once that light bulb goes off, your life will change. I promise you. You will have a peace that, that you don't understand. You will have a joy that is not based on your circumstances. You will walk in confidence and not be faint. That's just the truth. It's not complicated. If you can accept these truths, if you can, if you can ask God to do a work in your heart, to bend your heart to the truth of the scriptures, your life will change. One last story, just to kind of sum it up here, you know, it's Mother's Day, we're in 2019, and uh, back when I was a sophomore uh, in college, 1994, back just yesterday, when I was in college, uh, I was a sophomore or junior in, in college, just around that, that year, that was a crucial year for me, because that, talk about God's will, that was the year where I felt called into ministry, right? Like before then, 
I wasn't exactly living like a good Christian life. You know, I, I just, I grew up in church and all that stuff, but I was not really a believer. I was not living a Christian life. I wasn't following Christ by any way, shape, or form. But a, a number of events had happened in my life, and uh, I'll spare you that story for now. But anyways, um, God's hand was upon me in a strong way, and, and I felt God calling me into full-time pastoral ministry as a sophomore, as a junior in college. And uh, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, his 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 unrevealed will is becoming revealed, right? Like that happens in a call. When you're called by God, like what was once unrevealed becomes revealed. And so that was happening. And so now, now he's unveiling the God's will, his, his plan for my life. And, and I was getting so excited. I was like, dad, I call, I remember calling my mom and dad. I was like, mom, dad, I, I need to, I, I'm dropping out of Hopkins. I'm going to go to Bible college. And they said, no, that's not God's will. Uh, and so <laughs> whatever. So anyways, so I d- delayed a couple of years, whatever. Okay. So anyways, but for, 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 for that whole year, and, and really ever since, uh, my plan, my heart, my desire, my vision all changed, right? I, at first, I wanted to be a lawyer. Then I wanted to be a professor. But then it's just, it's, it was like pastor. Like I want, that's, what, that's my call. And so my heart started to change. My plans started to change. My vision, my desire, uh, my dreams started to change, right? And I wanted to be the best pastor I could be. I wanted to be the best leader I could be. I wanted to be the best preacher that I could be, right? So I had all these plans, right? That's the key word, plans, right? Well, then you fast forward 10 years, okay? Uh, Mother's Day, 2005, okay? So 10, 11 years, fast forward, okay? And by that time, remember 9-11 happened, and like I went to seminary, I graduated seminary, I had done an internship as a pastor, and now, now I'm like a college pastor. By then in 2005, I was, I was uh, at this large, the, one of the largest Korean churches in New Jersey, and it, and it was like, it was the college ministry, we started college ministry, and then, and then I became like the English ministry, the lead pastor there, and so that was right around 2005 when this is all happening, right? And so like I'm, I had those plans before, those dreams, that vision, that call before, but now like I'm working the plan, right? Like I'm living in the plan. I'm living in that dream. I'm living in that vision. I'm living in that call, right? And so this is Mother's Day 2005. And I remember specifically because for some odd reason, it was like the first Mother's Day message that I had to preach. I had been in full-time ministry at that point, six years or so, but I still had never, for whatever reason, the rotation just didn't work. But, but that was my first Mother's Day message. And like, I'm a big mama's boy, okay? So like, I wanted to like, just do like, I always want to preach my best, but I, I really wanted to preach my best for, for, for Mother's Day, right? For all the moms in the house, so all that stuff, right? So, so like I'm, I'm, pre- I'm prepping all week. I'm praying all week. I'm, 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 I'm preparing this message all week, right? Doing the things that a pastor does for his message, blah, 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 blah. Mother's Day is coming up. I'm doing all this stuff, right? I even got together some of the leaders and I said, hey, listen, I don't care. You know, there's some moms that, some, some, some women like try to have kids and they can't. Some women have lost their kids. Some women aren't married and want to be married. And they've dreamt ever since they were a little girl that they want to be these moms. So what we need to do is we need to respect everyone. We need to love everyone. And we're going to give all the women in the church, we're going to give them a carnation. We're going to give them a flower. We're going to give them, we're just going to show them that we love you. We're praying for you. We just, we just thank God for you, right? And so, like, dude, like all this stuff was happening, right? And it's Mother's Day 2005. Sunday arrives, and literally, we're giving hundreds of flowers to hundreds of women at church, okay? Everyone, like even little girls, from like 12-year-old girls to like 92-year-old grandmothers, right? We're giving them all flowers, right? And then I'm preaching, and I forget even how many messages, I forget how many services. Erica, I don't know if you remember how many services we had. Like It was like two or three, whatever it was, right? I'm preaching all this stuff, okay? And then finally, the days that it was great, 
great day of ministry. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, I'm living the dream. This is my dream, my plan, whatever, whatever. And then finally I get home, Mother's Day 2005, okay? I get home and I'm just wiped out. I'm always wiped out on Sundays. I'm just, I'm, I'm good for nothing, okay? I'm just always wiped out, okay? I get home, it's like five, six, seven o'clock. I don't know what time it is, okay? But Erica had beaten me home. She, you know, she, after the first service, she'd gone home, whatever, whatever. And this was, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention that this was, uh, we had our, our first daughter. This was 14 years ago. So our baby was a, it was a baby, not even a year old yet, okay? And so, and so Erica's home and she's cooking and she's cleaning and she's caring for the baby and all this stuff, right? And I finally get home and I'm just like, I'm, I'm collapsed. I'm good for nothing. I just want to eat, okay? I have a spiritual gift. It's called eating, okay? And so finally, Erica, Erica, she's like taking care of the baby. Like you guys all know this thing, right? Like where you take care of the baby and she's like cooking and like like dishwasher. Like she's like every limb is, is very productive, right? And I'm just good for nothing, right? But I smell this food and we get I get down and the dining table and the food's all ready and like now it's time for dinner, right? And I told you, right? I have the spiritual gift of eating. So I'm just like, <laughs> like I'm just, I, I'm not even aware of like anything. Okay. I'm not even aware. I'm just eating. And then somewhere it dawns on me, like I've got like the last two scraps of food here. Right. I, it, my wife is sitting right here. Okay. Nursing the baby. Okay. And hasn't touched her food. First time note. Some of you are already judging me. Just, just be patient. 14 years ago, I've repented. I, I look, look up, and I'm not kidding. Single teardrop coming down her face. Like, like Erica, we, I love you. Just, it's, it's over. It's 14 years ago. Si single teardrop is coming down her face, okay? This picture even is, this is, this is, this is like five years later because this one was this one's age, okay? And so single teardrop is kind of, and my wife, God bless her, she's like the faithful one in the family. She's the spiritually mature and strong one. She's like, she's the rock, okay? She says to me, this, so this is her first Mother's Day, right? It's our first Mother's Day, okay? Her first Mother's Day. And she says to me in a non-combative not trying to fight, not like argumentative, but she just says to me, tear running down, Tom, this, this is my first Mother's Day. Like you just spent the whole week, you just spent the whole day like just loving everybody and just preaching this, I gave everyone flowers, but this is my first Mother's Day. And I was just like, I'm hearing this. Remember, single tear. I mean, and I just hear this. And remember that sinful nature I was talking about? Remember that rebellious heart that we all have? Uh, remember that thing that I was talking about? Guess what this guy's reaction to, to, to that was? That you, guess what your pastor's, this, you guys are going to leave the church. Guess what your pastor's reaction to, to that moment was, Tom, this is my first Mother's Day. I, in my heart, I was like getting ready for a fight, right? And I said to her, I go, you're not my mother. Oh, <laughs> 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 
all the women are like daggers. They're, I can feel it. I can feel it. Stop. I'm sorry. Peace. I, just, I had a woman at the nine o'clock service. She just looked at me and the husband was behind her. Just, I'm sorry, man. You just. To this day, I am amazed that it was God's will for me to live past that point, okay? Now, well, guys, why, why, do, I, why do I say this? Why do, why do I share this story with you? Number one, two reasons. I share this story because uh, all the dads in the house and potential dads, don't be an idiot, okay? Just learn from my mistakes, okay? Don't be an idiot. Still not too late. It's still Mother's Day. If you didn't do anything, take her out to dinner, buy flowers, do something. Just say something, please, okay? Just don't be an idiot. That's, that's number one. But number two is this. The, the, the real reason why I share this is this. I share this story because it's true, even though it makes me look like an idiot, okay? It's a reinforcement of the guiding principle of this series, that we make our plans, but God is the one who lovingly, sovereignly, patiently, graciously guides our steps. See, in my mind, being a good leader, being a good pastor, being a good preacher just meant preaching a message. It just meant like leading the church well. In my, in my heart, in my, my mind, the, my plans were just to execute something well. But God had totally a different idea. He was guiding my steps and showing me, hey, dude, guess what, you idiot? It doesn't matter how well you preached over there. If in the home when no one's looking but your wife, if you're an idiot, doesn't count. In fact, he was saying to me, Tom, it doesn't matter how well you lead and how well you preach out there. What happens in here is more important. Tom, it doesn't matter, you fool, what you do out there. It doesn't matter what you do. It's about the who. And today, today I'm a different person by his grace. 14 years later, it took a while, and I'm still learning, and I'm still growing. I still make a lot of mistakes Parenting just added a whole nother dimension. Parenting a girl, three girls added three, four, five dimensions, okay? I'm still learning. I'm still learning. But this much I know is true. It is not about the do. It is about the who. It is not about the there. It's about the right here. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, each one of us has so many horror stories and even stupider things. And in, in my life, there are even stupider things and things I'm even more ashamed of. Uh, thank you that your plans for us are good, pleasing, and perfect. Thank you that you are patient and gracious and loving with us. That you're gracious to us. Thank you, Lord, that you don't give up on us. Thank you that your word says that he who began a good work in you will finish it into completion. So we thank you and we rest on that grace right now. We ask, Father, that wherever we are in our plans, wherever we are in your will, God, that you would help us only to be faithful to the things that you have already revealed to us. If we're stuck on the unrevealed, 
Lord, I pray that you would help us to double down on what you have revealed. For any man, woman, and child in this place right now that that is frustrated with, with the details of life, frustrated with not knowing what your will is for us, Lord, help us to focus on the things that you have revealed to us. Help us to focus on the things that you already have entrusted to us and help us to be faithful and obedient with those things and where we mess up, where we stumble, where we fall. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that we would call out for your mercy, that in the name of Jesus Christ that we would repent that we would turn away from our fallenness and look to the blood of Christ that would lift us up, that would lift the righteous man up, that would lift the righteous woman up, that would lift up the righteous child who puts their faith in Jesus Christ and that you would help us to walk again and help us to take a faithful step number one, two, three, four, five and not worry about step number 8,721 but help us just to focus on the step that lies before us. Lord, I pray that you would do for us that this morning. Embolden us with that truth. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you were inspired by this message, we hope you'll share it with a friend and subscribe to our podcast. Or best of all, come visit us in person at our LA campus. For directions, service times, and more info, check out newstorychurch.com. Thanks again, and see you soon.